Welcome to Stories with Briscoe and Bradshaw. I would be Bradshaw. That would be your Chickasaw native, your Chickasaw Hall of Famer, Oklahoma's favorite son, Mr. Gerald Briscoe. And we have got one of the greatest attractions in professional wrestling history. He's won championships all over the world. The PWF Championship with All Japan, the Caribbean Championship, NWA Georgia Heavyweight Championship, WWE Hall of Famer, but most importantly, one of the greatest attractions in wrestling history. He is simply Abdullah the Butcher. Abby, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to be on your show. And it's always a, 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 a great pleasure to see one of the Briscoe brothers are still here. And uh, his brother, I appreciated him. He was a good champion. And uh, his brother was a good wrestler. Abby, we, we go way back, you know. Uh, but you know, uh, you, your your career actually started uh, back back when you're you're a karate and judo guy, right? And you you're right. really you're really making a name for yourself, I think, in in, in Ontario or, or in not Ontario, but where uh, Ottawa? What what which one was it? Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Windsor, Ontario. Yeah, you're making a name for yourself. And the promoter there, I think Gino Brito saw you in a, in a, in a, in a gi and saw your movements, saw you, saw your, saw how you 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 carried yourself. And what did he do? Approach you and say, "Kendall, I want you to be a professional wrestler." And if he did that, was was had you ever watched professional wrestling? You know, while you're doing doing the judo and karate bit. Uh, the main part about it was this here. It was uh, um. The guy in charge of the Windsor Arena was Cito Martinello. And um, he told me I should go in there and do my karate and stuff like that. And he said, Abdullah, he said, you should be a wrestler. I said, oh, I don't want to be one of those, one of the wrestlers because at that time I didn't like it. Uh, he says, well, Jack Britton comes by here every other day. And so I'm going to tell him, you know, to stop in and, and watch you work. So when he when he see me doing my stuff, um, Jack Britton said to me, he says, how'd you like to be a wrestler? I said, well, I'm not too sure about wrestling, blah, 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 blah you know, but whatever. He says, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow and I'm going to take you to Detroit, Michigan, to the wrestling office. And that's what he done. The next day he picked me up, took me to the uh, Detroit, Michigan. To the um, um, to the gym. He had an office um, upstairs, um, across the street from the Verners on Woodward Avenue. So I went there. He had a little building, and um, he told me to get into the ring. And all of a sudden, uh, um, I got into the ring with um, Kirk Strohein. Um, do you remember him? I remember Kirk von Strohein. Yes. Well, anyways. I got in the ring with him and I started working with him. Bim, 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 bim. And Burt Ruby. Uh, do you remember Burt Ruby? No, no, I don't. Well, Burt Ruby and Jack Britton was the, they were the, uh, um, the motors. And uh, Burt Ruby said, oh, he told Jack, Jack, this guy is a natural, right? And uh, then they started talking to me in the office and stuff like that. And, then um, uh, then I met um, his son, Gino Brito. Right. Then, then Gino started teaching me a lot and stuff like that. Then that was it. 
What was your size, then, uh, uh, Abby? Was you was you a big, big, hefty guy then, or was you an average size guy, or what? Oh, I was real small then. I was weighing about maybe shit, about maybe uh, I can't think, maybe two hundred, two twenty. Wow, wow. I was two twenty, but uh, I was still a mover. I could move and stuff. Yeah. And uh, no matter no matter what your side was, brother, you were a mover. Right? You could yes, move. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. 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 So so uh, what what was it? You you think it was your your personality, just the way way you moved in the ring, or you just think you just had the natural natural instincts to be a professional wrestler? Well, like I've I've always had like a bald head. You understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, in my opinion. Even like in, in in karate or judo or whatever, I always wanted to be different. And that was it. You know what I mean? So um, I got a picture here when I was uh, the great Zeal of Samara when I first started. Jack Britton, give me that uh, uh, the name of the great Zeal of Samara. And I got the picture if you want to look at it. Wow, yeah, yeah. hold it up, up. Hold it up there. Wow, that's you. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Yep. Uh, well, how old were you then? You, you recall what your age was then? I was about maybe 18, 18, uh, 18 or, or 19. So you basically left Canada, left home at, at, at 18, 19, went to Detroit. And, and and became a professional wrestler. How long did you did you stay in the Detroit area? And and how how, did, how was uh, was the sheik the the man at the time? Their sheik and Bobo going through all those uh, all. Right. Those what happened? Um, I went to um, I went to Cobra Hall, and uh, where all the wrestlers were watching the wrestlers wrestle, I went into that uh, a section. And uh, the sheet came out, and Bobo Bazil, and uh, the sheet said, uh, 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 "The Bobo, who's that guy there?" And uh, Bobo said, oh, "I don't know." <laughs> and then all of a sudden, um, Bobo Bazil came over to me and said, uh, um, "Where do you wrestle at?" And I said to him, "Right." So <laughs> Bobo Bazil turned around and went back to the sheik and said, um, in a way, I don't know what the hell he's talking. <laughs> so then the sheik came over. He says, hey, um, um, where are you from? I says, my name is Larry Shreve. <laughs> <laughs> so then, they took, uh, then he took me into the, into the dressing room. And I says, I'm with Jack Britton and uh, Bert Ruby and stuff like that. Then that was it. That was it. So the, the star was born at that time. Did, 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 did they start booking you immediately or did you go through a process of training? And now how was that training up in Detroit? I wrestled. Uh, um, I was on Channel, channel 7. And uh, the sheep was on channels 17 in Windsor, Ontario, what was uh, uh, like a TV went all over the world. You know what I mean? 
So anyways, I, I was doing my stuff um, on Channel 7 in Detroit, and I was beating people up, stuff like that. Then all of a sudden, the people started saying, Abdullah should fight the sheik. And that's where it started. So the people promoted you. Uh, yeah. They, they, they enjoyed, you, you must have, you're just very aggressive style and just uh, non-relenting. I mean, uh, Larry, I got to say, man, always it was very impressive. You were a huge man, a big man, but you're, you're conditioning. When, 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 when I would go out with you and I watched you, you and Jack compete for the title a couple of times. Right. When, when you had to go out there and compete against these wrestling kind type guys, you didn't miss a step, right? Was that was that conditioning just something you had inside of you? Did what kind of training did you do? Well, my thing was this: I I had to give the people something different because everybody was doing drop kicks, lariats, and all this here stuff. So my thing was I had to do something. So I went in there. Uh, the first match that I worked with was. Um, um, Chief Chief Whitehall, he was from uh, around Detroit. Anyways, so we went out there and uh, we had a, a like a hell of a match. I started chopping him in the head, bam, bam. I started chopping him. He got a little color, and when he got the color, the people went crazy. But I did not know that the sheik was going to come running down to save the chief. So when I seen the, um, the sheet coming down, I says, I better roll outside the ring and meet him. Right. So I, I moved out. I rolled outside the ring. I met him. He said, get back in the ring, get back in the ring. I said, no. And <laughs> then I started hitting him. Bam, bam, bam. He said, you son of a bitch. Anyways, my, um, I finally got back into the ring. The sheet came in there, was trying to stab me and stuff like that. I wanted, I started hollering, went outside, bam, 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 fought all the way back to the dressing room. And but me and the Indian, we, we tore it, we tore it down. And that is, and then the sheet said to me, "Why didn't you stay in the ring?" Right? <laughs> said, because nobody told me that you were coming or anybody else were coming into the ring. And that was it. Well, so so you were thrown in the ring, and you really weren't smartened up at all. Basically, no. Yeah. What was your what, what, what was your training like? Where did you train there in Detroit before you first started having your first matches? Well, when I say train, I done everything like uh, chopping the guy in the head, giving the guy a, a you know thing. I I act crazy. I done this. I done that, and something like that. I beat my head up against the you know the turnbuckle. I beat myself up against the uh, the pole and stuff like that. And uh, Gino Brito said, Abdullah, keep that style because that style makes you. The people believe in you. And that was it. Well, well, how, did, how did that style evolve? Did you see that somewhere? Or did you just say, you know, I got to be different in the ring and this is how I'm going to be different? Well, my thing was this. I used to go to watch uh, the uh, movies like Tarzan and the African and stuff like that, and um, I was I was watching them and and they, they, 
they'd be hollering, yeah, yeah, my monkey, saying something, right? Uh, then we say, yes, Juana, yes, Juana, yes, Juana, right? So I picked up a lot of my stuff from the movies, too. You know, the Indian pictures and this and that, how wild they were, what they'd done and stuff like that. That was it. That's how I learned. And then I learned one time uh, um, I was in I was in Boston and uh, I, I can't think of Fred Curry's father. You remember him? Bill Curry. Yeah. So I went to uh, um, Jack Britton sent me to uh, Boston and uh, um, the promoter there was I think Tony Santos. So I'm sitting outside waiting for Tony Santos to come because uh, all of a sudden this little guy come up to me and he says, oh, you're the special wrestler. And I says, you uh, go. And he got these, you dumb son of a bitch. I'm the great Jack, um, the, the great Jack, um, great um, Jack uh, Pfeffer or something. Oh, Jack I, Pfeffer. Wow, yeah. Yeah, Pfeffer. <laughs> so all of a sudden when uh, when he, uh, when he when the guy comes in and uh, I go into his office, oh, here comes Jack Pfeffer. He says, uh, will you tell this dumb son of a bitch who I am? He said, this is the great Jack Pepper. I said, I didn't know who he was, and I wasn't supposed to talk to nobody because I can't talk English. I can't, you know, like that. And then that's the way it happened. So that, that's when it happened. That's when you became the butcher or, or what? No. Uh, then they sent me to, uh, I went to um, uh, Van, uh, went to Vancouver. And when I went to Vancouver, there was a, the promoter there was a, uh, Harriet, no, not Harriet. Um, oh, well, anyways, the promoter in, um, in Vancouver, um, they sent me to um, uh, Seattle, Washington. And uh, the guy who took me there was Crybaby Cannon. Did you remember uh, Crybaby Cannon? Crybaby Cannon from Detroit, yes. Yeah, from Detroit. You no, know, he, he was from Windsor, Ontario, but but he, he worked around Detroit. So anyways, he said to me, Abdullah, I got you a great spot, but I, I, I would drive my car, but I can't because my car is broke down. And, <laughs> And then at that time, I was working at Ford Motor Company, and uh, I was working there, and I says, I went to the guy and says, I have a chance to go back to wrestling again because I was barred, you know, from the ring and stuff like that. The guy says, take off long as you want. If you ever want to come back to here, you still got a job. So I told Crybaby Cannon, okay, I'll go with you. I took my car. I went. I went. Uh, we went to Seattle, Washington, right? We drove to Seattle, Washington first, and then all of a sudden, the promoter comes up to me and says, "His name was Harry 
Ayat in, in Seattle. So he got up there, he says, um, Abdullah, um, this guy, would you put him over, please? I said, damn, put him over. They bring me all the way up here for me to do a job for this guy. I said, no problem, I'll do it. And right. So I got up there and I started doing my stuff. Then I then I started beating on the guy. Bam, bam, hit him with the thing. And the, the guy was just hollering and screaming. Harry Ayat ran down to the ring real fast and told the referee, tell, tell Abdullah to take it. Tell, no, the butcher. Tell, tell the butcher to take it. Tell him to take it, take it, take it. What is it finished? What is it finished? Like that. And I says, uh, finish the album. <laughs> so, anyways, um, 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 the elbow. So I dropped the elbow, and all of a sudden, I, I laid on the guy and said, Me, 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 me. Well, anyways, I pretty near caused a riot there. So, <laughs> when I get to Vancouver, uh, Rod Fenton says to me, my partner called me and told me that you had a hell of a match. He said, you stole the show. I said, oh, thank you very much. Blah, 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 blah. He says, uh, but we got to get you, we got to get you a manager. I said, I have my manager. My main ma manager is Crybaby Cannon. He says, we didn't know that you were coming. We didn't know that you were coming up to uh, Vancouver or Seattle, Washington. I said, yeah, but George, he says, tell Cannon to come here. So George Cannon came in. He says, when did you tell us that you were bringing this guy? He said, oh, he says, tell me. When did you tell me that he, he was coming? And you had a job, man. You had somebody who could really do jobs and stuff like that. So he said, well, uh, he says, he's a liar. So he got up there and he says, um, we'll find you somebody, a manager, right? I said, okay, because then I was pissed off with what George Cannon done to me and brought me all the way to Vancouver, whatever. So anyways, the first time I ever met Dr. Jerry Graham, right? And they got up there and they says, Dr. Jerry Graham is going to be your manager, right? He said, but before we were up in Vancouver, there was a lot of Indians. You know, like when I say right. Indians, Arabs and stuff like right. that. So he says, we have to, my partner says, you wrestle like a butcher. Now we got to find another name. The butcher's good. Then he said, there's a lot of Indians here, Arabs, will call you Abdullah the Butcher. And wow. that's how I got the name. That's how uh, Abdullah the Butcher came about. Well, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm, I, I, what a great story that is. I'm shocked. Yep. Uh, how much, uh, excuse me, how much interaction did you have with the, one of the most, to me, one of the most intriguing men that was ever in, in the history of this business, uh, Jack Pfeffer? Did you have a lot of interaction with Jack up there? What a what a guy! He was known to. That's where I figured you got to know. You mentioned you 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 uh, gone and met with Pfeffer there, but do I, I never see, I never was, see him. after that? I never seen Jack Pfeffer no more. Don't see him no more. 
Didn't want to see him. Yeah. Right. That was it. Uh, but uh, you got your name up in Vancouver. So Abdul the Butcher is born in Vancouver. Is that where you you, you took on the name? Uh, took on the uh, the persona of talking and 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 languages that nobody could understand. <laughs> I I didn't even understand it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I've seen you in person do that, and the guy just looks like, okay, you know, that, that butcher, you know, you do it so well, you did not be right. saying anything. <laughs> so I, used to go into, I used to go into a restaurant, and when I, when, I, when I went into the restaurant, they would ask me, what would you like to eat? I, I go, me, me, egg, egg, egg. Oh, you want eggs? Um what kind of meat you want? Me, me, uh, bake, bake. Oh, bacon. <laughs> me, me, uh, um, um, toast, 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 toast. Uh, me, uh, mm, uh, coffee, cough, cough. No, I say cough, cough, cough. Oh, you want coffee? <laughs> that was it, and that's where I, I, I started. And every time I got onto a plane. I would have uh, like a thing saying, I give it to the to the guy, and he'd say, um, "Oh, you want to go to Chicago? You want to go here? You want to go there? Stuff like that." And that was it. <laughs> wow! Yeah. So, so uh, you're up you're up in Vancouver, and and you meet uh, you meet uh, the Graham. Is that where you first met Graham up there? Yes, I met him, <laughs> and then I wrestled him. Then he. Uh, <laughs> Then uh, we had, uh, I wrestled him. Then I wrestled um, Gene Kaniski. Right. Now, was Gene, had Gene already been champion or was this before Gene? He was the champion. He is coming in. He is coming in. And uh, Thing said to me, uh, he says, the champion's coming in. You're going to wrestle the champion. And the building was sold out. So when I say sold out, it was packed, right? I got there, I done my stuff, bam, 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 bam. He made me look like a million dollars. I got DQ'd on him or whatever. And then we went to the next town, the next town, the next town, the next town. And then all of a sudden, um, Stu Hart heard about me. So Stu says, called uh, uh, the, the promoter, um, when you get uh, done with uh, Abdullah, um, tell him to give me a call. And then I went for Stu Hart. And uh, um, Stu Hart only ran his territory in the wintertime because, you know, the farmers were doing their, their right. thing. And I told Stu Hart, I says, uh, Stu, I says, let's run it in the summertime too. So he said, yeah, but it won't. I says, if you want, I'll help you to pay. He said, Abba, do you think you can do it? We opened it up. Everything was, people came out in the summertime, wintertime, they came out. And that was it. You had a very, very close relationship with, with Stu Hart, from what I understand. And uh, you found him, hey, you guys had mutual respect for each other. How was yes. it? Was, was all those kids just real young at the time, uh, Brett and Owen and, and uh, Ross and all those guys, were they real young kids at the time or were they growing up? Growing up? 
No, uh, like a couple of them was growing to a certain extent, but the main part about it, what happened, uh, I told Thing, I says, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, when I come in, in the building, right, make sure that you have a heart, one of the hearts wrestling somebody, right? So when I come in, I stop by the ring, they go, yuck, I see them. I'm like, I start hollering, yeah, like, come on, what the low? And the people are, are going crazy. Bah, 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 bah. I said, come on, what the low? And all of a sudden, I I grabbed them. He came by the ring and I grabbed them. I mean, you know, seconds head out the ring and I grabbed them, give them a chop. And, and, and this little kid comes running down, right? So I grabbed the kid. I took him and I ran him into the door, uh. right? So then when I get back to the uh, um, to the you know dressing room, still right there. Um I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, um well anyways, he was the announcer and he came back and he says, uh, Stu, did you see uh, Abdullah grab your kid and run him in the door? He says, eh, uh, that bastard, uh, I would never put my hands on his kids. Uh, so he come walking over to me and uh, they wanted, he wanted to grab me. He wanted to put his hands on me. <laughs> I says, Stu, he says, Abba, why did you uh, put your hands on my fucking kids? And I says, well, that's the way I'm going to get over. I said, but they knew what I was going to do. He says, Abba, do me a favor. Next time, kill the bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. Yeah, I heard, I heard a great story Brad Hart told one time uh, about Abdul. You know, Brad came up in the business, of course. He was pretty smart to the business at an early age. He said one of the most terrifying and one of the most upset he ever got is when Abdul the Butcher busted my dad open and he turned my dad's face right towards me and said, kid, this is going to be you one day. Uh, do you remember, you recall that? Brett yes. said, I was, I was so terrified. And he said, at the same time, I was scared to death. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you something. Um, we had no more no more uh, wrestlers that I could work work with. And Stu Hart says, uh, Ab, uh, um, what do you think we should do now? I said, Stu, I'm going to wrestle you. Stu said, Abba, uh, um, okay. The the first show we had, the place was packed. The next day, it was packed. I mean, like the, like the next week, it was packed, packed, packed. Seven times I wrestled Sue, and Sue said, Abba, what are we going to do? And I says, Well, Sue, I can't beat you, so I'll get DQ'd on you. Stu says, uh, you should be uh, a promoter for you to make a statement like that. So we got up there. We done the thing. I started working on Stu. And I told Stu, hit me, Stu, hit me, Stu, hit me. And Stu started beating on me and stuff like that. I, I went crazy. Stu went crazy. We went outside. And um, the wrestlers came in and started pulling Stu, Stu away. Stu said, I'll kill the bad Stu. I'll kill him. I'll kill him. But that was it. And then after that, 
Stu Hart got a phone call from um um which is name uh, the promoter in uh, uh Atlanta, Jim Barnett. Jim Barnett, right. He says, please, when you're finished, I would like to have Abdul the Butcher in Australia. And Stu says, came to me and said, Ab, I want you to make money. I'm going to let you go, but just do me a favor. Make sure you come back. I said, Stu, I give you my word. I'll come back. And I went there to Australia. I stayed there for about, I think, over, over, I was there for about eight months and I'll get ready to leave. And he said, Jim Barnett said, Abba, I wish you would stay here a little longer. I called Stu. Stu said, okay. I stayed there a little longer. Then that's when um, I was wrestling Mark Lewin, King Curtis, and uh, all of them. Then um, then I wrestled your your brother on the on the TV. So what happened? I got him down and I started hitting him, right? And uh, I took my 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 hand and I wrapped it across his head. And uh, he said, you, "You son of a bitch! You son of a bitch!" He said, I got you, I got you. But I didn't. But I did. He not. thought you gagged him, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so he jumped up and he started, he said, You started, he started hitting his head. <laughs> so he, said, he, he called me over, you son of a bitch. Bah, 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 bah. I said, You're okay. I was just having a little fun with you. We had the mad boom and stuff like that. But Jack never went for no color. No, Eddie Graham told told us at a young age when we very first started in the business. He said, "You guys to sell as your color." He said, "Keep selling like you're doing. You'll never have to get color." Right. He, I, 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 I'm going to jump forward a lot of years from for that match with Brother Jack. But I, I remember it. I did a situation. I told John about it uh, not long ago. You and I were working a little program in I think uh, Columbus, Georgia. And the promoter there wanted me to get juice. Well, Eddie told me never get juice. I told Fred Ward that, and he said, "Well, you're not you're not in Florida anymore." And I said, "Yeah, but Eddie, Eddie told me that uh, to never never get juice." And he he fired me. And I remember you found out about it, and you he came to me and he said, "Kid, he said if there if I'm around, you're working with me, and, and one of those promoters asks you to do it, just tell them yes because I'll cut myself bad enough where they'll think you're bleeding too." And right. then the next time we worked together, you kept your promise. And uh, man, I come out of that ring. I was, I think I had more blood on me than you. <laughs> yeah, you, you loved it. I, I always appreciated that. I thought that, 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 that's a hell of a man. I, I, you always have my respect for that. But uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. But, but Jack, Jack, Jack had told me, you know, before that, how much he appreciated working with you and how, how you helped him out because. Jack's style was that wrestling style, and you 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 got in the ring and you made him get out of his comfort zone, and that's you right. made him you made him brawl a little bit, and I, I think that's what guys like me and my brother always appreciated about right. you because you could go with us, you could wrestle uh, move for move and, and and speed for speed with us, but but then then you wanted to do some some of your stuff too, so 
we right. we adapted your stuff. So you always brought us out of that comfort zone, and I, that's what I always respect about you. Because you you could go, you could you could brutalize with the best of them, the Dusty Rhodes, the Terry Fox, and all those right. guys. But but you could also get down and wrestle with the Jack Briscoe, the Billy Robinsons, and the guys like that. Right, Billy, right. Billy was Billy was one of your favorite opponents too, right? Right. I wrestled. Uh, uh, I wrestled him in in uh, no. I was with him in uh, I, the first time I met him was in Van no. Calgary, Alberta, and um, he was a stretcher, you know. So he went to Stu High and says that. Uh, uh, Stu says, "Oh, you're working with um, Abdullah." Uh, see, so um, he said to Stu, "Well, let me go to her and teach him a lesson." And uh, Stu Hart says, eh, uh, "Billy, uh, I don't think you should uh, try to do that shit on him because he's got something for you." <laughs> like that, and. Uh, we went out there. We had we had a hell of a match. Whatever, boom, 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 boom. Then I I I wrestled him in Japan, and they said uh, they 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 told Billy, Billy, uh, we like for you to um, do the the favor for Abdullah, and uh, he said no problem. We went out there. We tore the we tore the house down, and uh, it was two out of three. I got up there and uh, he took the first one. I got the, uh, no, the first one um, he took, then the second one I took, and then I snatched him. I started working on his leg, and he started screaming, like where he couldn't walk, he couldn't walk. And um, I beat him by, because he couldn't finish the match in Japan. The people went crazy, and that was it. Yeah, you know, Yo, and that was a that was a title match, wasn't it? You yeah, know, yeah. That was yep. for the for the heavyweight championship, right? Right. Yep. And and uh, and the Funk brothers, they were they were great. They're great. I worked with them so many times. The I always respected Terry. I mean, I respected his brother too, but uh, Terry Funk was a hell of a worker. A hell of a champion, and uh, that was it. Did did you did you ever have the opportunity to be around that Dory Senior in here? Was he passed before you got there? Well, they wanted me. Dory Funk and Terry said, "My father wants you to come into Texas, right?" And uh, I said, "Okay, I'll come in, uh, but I, I got to do this, or whatever." So, but the father died. And then I said, um, he said, well, my father passed, but we want you to come into the territory. So I says, okay. So I went into the territory and uh, Terry Funk always said to me this. He said, I said, Terry, oh, you got a beautiful pair of, uh, I think they were alligator boots or whatever. I says, if you want me to come in, if you get me a pair of those boots, I'll come in. <laughs> now, like at that time, those boots were must have been about fifteen hundred dollars or more. You know, the, the the boots. So he said, "You'll have them." So I come into the territory, and I, I walk in the dressing room, and Terry says, "Abdullah, come here. I got something for you." In front of all the boys, Abdullah, I got something for you. 
So he had the box. He wanted me to open up the box in front of all the boys, right? So I took the box and I went into the into the into the to toilet, and I opened up the the box. There was the the alligator boots, but they were so old and so much <laughs> shit was on. They had so much shit on them and stuff like that, you know. So I walked out in the thing. I said, Terry. I love him. Thank you very much. Because he thought that I was going to pull him out and all the boys would start laughing, right? Yeah. I, I beat him to the punch. That was it. <laughs> That's great. What yeah. a great story. <laughs> How was was your heat already pretty hot right then? You know, like, like when you started up in Vancouver, up in Calgary, you go to Australia. What kind of heat were you getting from the crowds? Did you have problems getting in and out the of the world? Room? The world served. Sir, anybody who was on top, I would tell the promoter, I'm going to be on top. And that's why a lot of the wrestlers did not want Abdullah the Butcher on the same card as them. Now, what's his name? Uh, uh, Hogan. I wrestled Hogan in Japan. We tore the place down, right? Tore it down. And uh, he got color for me. Bam, bam, bam. He's bleeding out. I was just doing my stuff like that. We sold everything out in Japan. And Hogan said to me, Abdullah, listen to me, please. I'm going to talk to Vince McMahon. I'm going to bring you in, but you, you're not going to wrestle nobody but me, and I'll make you so much money. It's unbelievable. So... When we talked to uh, Vince, Vince started talking to the other wrestlers. The other wrestlers said, oh, he's going to do this. He's going to stab in the blood, this and that, that, that. That was cut. I well, well, back back in those days, too, I think the commission had a big part to do with that, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Not the commission. Not the commission because they, everybody was getting juiced in to a certain extent. You see, and that was it. Then I went, into, I went into Montreal. I packed Montreal. Every place I went, I packed. I was different. Hey, hey, Abby. When I when I was asking about heat, I meant I meant heat with the with the with the fans, the crowd. I mean, yeah. You, yes. Yes. Were you? See, how, how, how was it? How was it? Say outside of the arenas, getting to the arenas. I mean, where did you have brawls trying to get in and out of the dress room? Most of the time, people ran from you, but I was just interested about how much heat you were carrying with the with the crowd and the fans. Well, let's let's put it this way: the people feared me outside the ring, but they did not bother me when I got up a car. You understand? Yeah, I put that kind of fear into them. Don't mess with that you know stuff, and that was it. Well, they had so much a fear for you inside the ring, but they knew that if they said something outside the ring as you were getting out of your car coming in, that you would you would turn into to Abdullah outside. They'd beat the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> if I turned on them, all those yeah. people would say, let's get them right now outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know the truth. I mean, I mean, <laughs> Come on, give me a break. I mean, you're only... 
you can fear people to a certain extent, correct? But then if, if there's only one person who says, let's get this son of a bitch, and that's it. They got you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. You you worked for Vince Sr. Uh, in the in the 70s, right? I worked for him only uh, for, uh, I think, uh, Seattle. Not, yeah, Seattle TV. I think it was Seattle TV, but I never worked at uh, the, uh, the Bills. They wanted me on on uh, TV uh, uh, for Seattle, and uh, I think Jack Britton sent me up there or whatever. And uh, I was wrestling. Uh, I think it was Doc Bill Miller or somebody. I was wrestling him, yeah. and they wanted me to put him over. And he said to me, "Listen, kid." Don't put nobody on this. Don't put nobody over on this TV. He says you have it in for you to be a wrestler, a great wrestler, and he wouldn't beat me. And that was it. So the feel of that from that day on, I I just that was it. Doctor Doctor Bill Miller, what a what a gentleman he was, and what a what a what a what a great performer he was in the ring too. But he was a he was a stand up man along with his yes. brother Danny Miller. Right, right, right. Both of them, and uh, we had uh, what was it now? We had a uh, uh, we had a tag team match, and uh, what's the guy's name? Um, uh, well. It'll probably come to me. Anyways, we have a thing, and they said, and uh, the, the promoter went up there and said, "We'd like for uh, what's the what's the guy's name? He was a black wrestler, um, but Bill Miller. They asked Bill Miller to put him over, and he said, "I would never put that son of a bitch over because he would not. Um, what's his damn name? And, well, anyways, he said, but." We will put over Abdul the Butcher. And that was it. Yeah. You remember the guy who used to do all the all the funny moves, like if you got him in uh 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 um like in the in the like choking him by the neck or something like that? He'd do that little dance and come out of it. I can't think of his name, uh well anyways. That's well, what I, like junkyard dog or one of those guys. No, like no, 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 no. He was a, a tall guy. He had a ball head. And that was it. Bearcat. Bearcat, right? That's him. Bearcat, right? <laughs> yeah, Bearcat, right? And uh, they said to, uh, they told the promoter, "We will put over him, Abdullah, but we will not put that son of a bitch over." And that's it. Yeah. Well, that goes back to the respect that you garnered uh, from all the talent, you know, during your days in in the business, and uh, and you know, you know that, that that had to mean mean something to you coming from a guy because Bill Miller, he he was one of the guys that was really looked up to in the business during that time. Oh yes, yes. These guys look. It's like I <laughs> I tell one time. Let me tell you something. I was uh, Blackjack Mulligan. I was in Chicago. Blackjack brought me in there. And I'm out there working on Blackjack. Bam, 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 bam. And he's dying, dying. Big guy like him. I'm stabbing him. Boom, 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 boom. 
we pretty near caused a riot. I go into into the dressing room and uh, he says, soon Blackjack comes in, what did you do out there? He said, listen, if you want to make money with this guy, Abdullah the Butcher, this is how you get him over. And he grabbed his bag. He says, go fuck yourself and walked out. And never <laughs> been back. Well, yeah, that's it. Yep. Did you find it? Mulligan walked out. Pardon? Was it Mulligan that walked out? Yeah. He grabbed his bag. He said, if you want to make money with this guy, this is how you get this guy over. You see? Now, he could have came back on the next match. We could have sold the place all over and over. You understand? But he wasn't putting up with, with, his, with his shit. You know what I mean? That was it. He didn't care. Blackjack Mulligan did not care. And Blackjack Mulligan could whoop my ass anytime he wanted to. And that's tell, tell me this, Abby. You know, you're, you traveled the world over. I mean, I can't think of a country that you probably didn't perform in, but where, where was your most brutal match that you think you ever had in? Who was it with and how was it? All the matches. Every guy I wrestled it was a great match. Bruiser Brody, we used to, we could, we could tear houses down, beat each other up and stuff like that. Bruiser Brody, uh, the Funk Brothers, um, everybody who I wrestled, I made them and they made me. You understand? Because they knew how to put, how to produce. They knew what, they knew what they had to do to me. They knew how to get me over. And for me, I knew how to get them over. And that was it. I read somewhere where over in Japan, to pick up a brutal match, they wanted you to do a barbed wire match, and you just shook your head, no, I don't I don't need to do a barbed wire match. Uh, right. Can you I tell us a little bit about that? Well, they said to me, listen, you're a wild man, you're this, you're that, this, and that, but we, we want to have a barbed wire match with you. I said, no, I will not have a barbed wire match. You understand? Why, you why, to- why, Larry? Why? Because in a way, I was not, I wasn't scared of the thing, but a lot of people did not know how to want, I mean, how to work a barbed wire match. They would throw you into the damn wire, uh, scar you up and stuff like that. I said, no, I'm not going for that. You can do anything else. Now, me and Dusty Rhodes, we had uh, uh, um, barbed wire matches. Because he knew how to work them. But you can't work with some guy who don't know how to work them. And a lot of the Japanese guys did not know how to work a barbed wire match. Well, they didn't know how to work. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, like, you told a guy to take my fork and stab me, right? Yeah. He didn't know how to do it. Yeah. He stabbed me for real. <laughs> you understand? No, no, that was it. Abby, so, when did the fork come out? When did you first think about something like a kitchen utensil that became such a part of you after a while? Well, I was in the restaurant, me and Honest John, and I was, I was eating with the fork. I said, oh, I like this. I like this fork. <laughs> right? Honest John picked up the fork, took it out, 
And I'm in the I'm in the ring wrestling on his job. Yeah, can't talk to him alone. Hold on. And he hands me the fork. When I hit the guy with the fork, the people went crazy. It went insane. But I, I was using forks, I was using popsicle sticks, I was using so many things, you understand? I had so many gimmicks, it was unbelievable. And that was it. And when when did you first start thinking that something like this was would work for your character? Was this all just the development of your character, or just a progression that normally happened? People wanted what? Something different. You understand? And every time that I done something different, the people went crazy. Why did the people for so many years keep coming to see me? I've been around for a long time. You understand? And this is it. Puerto Rico. Went to Puerto Rico, sold the place out many, many, many times. Fought Brody there. Fought, I fought the Andre the Giant there. I fought everybody there. And we packed everything. And that was it. See. The crowds in Puerto Rico, I mean, they, they were terrified because I've worked with you, I think, one time in San Juan at Roberto Clemente. And right. I remember walking out there and, and you uh, you you walking out and all you had to do was stop and kind of look over your shoulder or look to the side and it, people would just clear a path forever. I mean, it was one of the most fascinating things I'd ever seen as a, as a young man in the ring. But, man, those Puerto Rican uh, fans, they were scared to death of you. But you had built that persona up where, you know, they believed it. They believed you 100%. And, and half the time, I believe you too, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was funny? When I went to uh, Australia, you understand? Even the wrestlers who was in uh, uh, Australia, when they would come to, you know, try to save the other guy, they wouldn't come to me. And if I went to them, they would run out of the ring. It was, it was amazing. That was it. Yep. You remember Don Leo Jonathan? Yeah. Don Leo Jonathan, I was in uh, Vancouver, and um, Don was a big, big, big guy. He could do anything. Uh, big, big athletic uh, guy, yeah. Right. He could do anything, right? And my partner then was, um, uh, they bought him in, uh, what's his name? Armand Hussein. You remember him? Yes. Okay, Armand Hussein. So Jack Britton, I mean, that uh, thing said to me, he says, um, he's going to be your uh, your uh, partner. So I said, oh, okay. He says, now, when I get up there and I do my prayers, I'll be in, uh, in, in the corner doing my prayer. And Armand Hussein would say, listen, I am that. I'm from the University of England. Right? So, <laughs> um, you remember Patty Barrett? I remember Patty, yes. Okay. So, with Don Leo Jonathan, Patty Barrett against me and Armand Hussein. So, we're up there doing our stuff. Bam, 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 bam. So, all of a sudden, uh, um, Thing says this, says to uh, Thing, when the time's right, Patty Barrett. You tag me and let me come in real fast. He came in the ring, grabbed that Armand, I mean, Armand Fane, 
worked on him, bam, 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 and picked him up <laughs> and slammed him, right? Bam. And then we won the titles that night. And uh, down little Jonathan came in there and says, um, was the match okay for you, Ahmad? <laughs> yes, yes. But Don Neal Johnson was a tough, tough man. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was a what a what a big guy he was. I met Don Leo in, in, in Australia as he was leaving, and I was coming in there. I always wanted to be around him because I'd heard so many stories, but I was never really around him. But I heard he was a stand-up good guy too. Oh yeah, he's like he was. Uh, he was a diver. You know, right. uh, yeah, that that's what fact because I was a scuba diver. That's where I learned to scuba dive. Uh, just, just from some of the stories I was hearing about Don Leo in Australia. Right, right. But the main part about it, um, he was. Uh, I've always liked uh, liked him, and he always told me, "said Abdullah, whatever you do, don't let nobody pick you up and slam you fifty times." Uh, you know, that was it. But Don Leo Jonathan was, was a great man. Great, 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 great. Yep. And then uh, who else was there? There was a lot of them. Yeah. Were great members. Yeah. We, 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 we touched on Terry Funk a little bit, but to tell us, you were around Terry uh, in the very beginning, too, of, of Terry's uh, wild, wild career. And, and, and it's more fun to being a crazy uh, chainsaw Terry, as a lot of the fans nowadays know. But you knew Terry when he was one of those young scientific wrestlers too. Did you see that? Did you see that progressive Terry making over in Japan? Because that's where that's where Terry would go to kind of experiment with his styles with Japan all the time. He go every time Terry would go to Japan, all the guys back in the state. When Terry comes back, we're going to see a different Terry Funk. And sure enough, we saw a different Terry Funk. Were you able to see that when when you were working with him, and, and what do you think of, of Terry's, you know, hardcore when he started becoming hardcore? Let me tell you something first. Giant Baba said to me, Abdullah, we're going to have one of the one of the promoters, Prince Ron Eric, right, to book guys over here, or the Funk Brothers. And their father, the old man, I says, he said, who do you want? I said, I don't want the Funk Brothers. And that was it. And they were booking guys for a long time. Right. You know, but Terry Funk, in my, Terry Funk, in my opinion, would do anything, anything. You know, remember Dickie Slater? Right. Uh, very well, yeah. Everything would... With Dory Funk, I mean Terry Funk done, Dickie Slater was pretty good doing it. Yeah, I always, always laughed at Dickie Slater. I said he couldn't make up his mind whether he wanted to be uh the Terry Funk or Harley Race. <laughs> that's right, that's right. You're right, you're right. And uh Dory, I mean Terry Funk, in my opinion, was a great. When I say great, great, he would do anything. He would tell me, hit hit the air, got the air. Arm, leg, stomach. He would do everything. And that's why we drew money, because he didn't care. He did not care. 
Yep. You had a great tag team when you first, I guess one of the, when your first trips to Japan and that was with a, another wild man that, that Stan Hansen said he patterned his energy after uh, was a tiger Jeet Singh. How wild yep. was it? You guys coming out uh, together as a tag team with tiger Jeet Singh. Well, tiger Jeet Singh was, was, was a great wrestler. Stan Hansen was a great, 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 great wrestler. <laughs> if he ever hit you with that, if if he if he ever hit you with that lariat, you know I think we I think we all have been receipt of that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh Stan Hansen in Japan was a great worker. Um same thing with um, um he was great. Um they were all Brody, all of them were, were great. And if everybody would have got together and opened up their own territory with these guys, nothing could touch you. Nothing Abby, touch you. Abby in, in, your, in your mind and your, your opinion there, you know, you mentioned some great guys. Bruiser Brody, Stan Hanson, Terry Funk. These guys were major, major stars in the United States. But when they went to Japan, they were different, and they become not not just great stars. But they became celebrities. They they become accepted by the Japanese people over, and like yourself, what what do you think that quality is? And actually, yeah, that you can pass on to some of the younger folks out there watching it to, to kind of develop. Just be yourself, or, or get get a character inside of you. How how, how would you uh, uh, give advice to some of these young guys? You have to have. You got to let the people know that you are a violent wrestler. You understand? That's number one. You got to let the people know that you're tough. You're you don't give a damn about nothing. You understand? Right. The, when I first went, when I went to Japan, um, uh, I went there, and when I hit the ring, I was wrestling with no uh, uh, no boots and nothing on. I hit the ring when the people see me, I started beating my head with the fork in my head. Then I'd beat myself against against uh, the ring pole. And I look at the people and I walk towards them. Even Baba's wife took off running from the stands, <laughs> right? And, and uh, Baba said, my wife, here's the death of you, see? So you had to put the people in certain certain things. It's like when you put a sleeper on somebody. If the guy didn't go to sleep, you understand? They didn't believe it. Right. And that was it. If a guy goes to the top row and uh, jumps across your neck and the guy beats you up, they know it's, it's, it's not real. With, with, guy, with guys like like Terry and, and Brody and Stan and yourself, do you think a lot of that is the size that uh, these guys had that they that people and and uh, that that the size made you the star that you were? Do you think it was the personality that coming out of you? Well, the main part about it was this: your whole thing is knowing how to be tough. Dory Funk. Terry Funk, your, yourself, uh, 
who else was it? All these guys were tough and they could fight if it came to push and shove. Maurice Bouchard was the same way. He was a short guy, but he could fight. You understand? Right. So all these people, you have to what? You got to put fear. If you're a hell of a wrestler, you got to be able to wrestle good, but you have to beat somebody with a wrestling hold. Right. My thing was what? What did I do? Every time that I beat somebody, I beat them with a the gimmick. And that was it. You, you you had some some classic battles with the guy we mentioned a little bit earlier, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. Wait, he he was a, he was an enjoyable guy to work in the ring with. You guys you guys had some classic matches, like some classic blood bloodbath matches. How right. would you how, how what what did you think of those matches with the Dream? Well, the Dream could never never beat me, right? And uh, he he put me in a match. With um, um, what was that match I had? It was um, on the lecture chair match. Remember that? Uh, Mick Foley and uh, Sting, I believe. No, it wasn't Sting. It was uh, Mick Foley. No, I mean Nick Bowley. He was my partner, but he was supposed to turn the light, uh, uh, turn the switch on. What's his name? Uh, um. They were two brothers. The Steiner? No. Well, anyways, what happened? Dusty Rose said to me, Abdullah, you're going to grab the guy, go to put him into the electric chair, Cactus Jack. You know, you will holler at Cactus Jack. Jack will hit the switch. And then, right, soon you put the guy in the electric chair, your arms, your hands would be locked, right? But he said, okay, I done that. I had the guy, I looked at Jack, at the same time, the guy switched me and I went into the electric chair. And then all of a sudden, the locks hooked my arms and shit. Then all of a sudden, I got up there and I'm hollering, huh? And Jack hit the switch and all of a sudden, the fire started coming up, right? But Dusty Rose didn't tell me that he was going to send out 12 guys in white suits, right? <laughs> to carry me out of the out of the out of the electric chair. So as soon as the guys they open up the door, I come out. Bam, I beat them, threw them off the stage. Bam, 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 bam. I beat up 12 guys. <laughs> right? And then uh, uh, um, Jim Barnett says, uh, Dusty, Abdullah got stronger and stronger when he came out and beat up 12 men. <laughs> and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> what did Dusty say when he got back? What he said? Well, yeah, what did he say when, he, <laughs> when you beat up the guys that were sent to carry you back? He said, Listen, my brother, you're a hell of a worker. <laughs> yeah, let's come back next week and draw another house <laughs> yeah but every time that me and Dusty Rhodes wrestled everything was packed and Dusty would come to me and say it's like playing uh, ring around the rosy there's so many people out there they're around the building yeah <laughs> that was it 
was Bruiser Brody probably your greatest rival? Because I, I guess when people think of your greatest rival or Brody, but was it just a chemistry that you guys had? What was it that made it click so well between you and Bruiser? Bruiser Brody knew how to work. Abdullah the Butcher knew how to work. Bruiser Brody knew what the people wanted. You understand? Right. And I knew what the people wanted. I wrestled Bruiser Brody in Australia. You understand? We had great matches, and he never, never potatoed me. Never. And that was it. We took care of each other. One time, we were in a town, and me and Brody, Brody said to me, Abdullah, listen, you watch, you watch the front door, and I'll watch the back door, right? So we get in the ring, bam, 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 bam. All of a sudden, the, the, the promoter sneaks outside, tries to get to his car. Me and Brody was out there <laughs> waiting for the promoter. And, and that, that, that's the way we got paid. Because the, the promoter trying, trying to, to sniff you guys? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it was unbelievable. Now you know for you know for a fact that Bruiser Brody was a tough guy. Right. And he didn't give a shit about the promoters. He didn't give a damn about nothing. Yep. All he cared, all he wanted was like he wanted to get paid what he earned. That's right. Yeah. He wanted you see what 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 really went on with us was this. We drew money, but we really didn't get paid what we deserved. You see, that was it. We didn't get paid. <laughs> we got paid to a certain extent, but we did not really get the big money. If we would have had lawyers in those days to handle our business, like, like what's going on now, we'd have been multi-millionaires. That's it. Yep. You know, it's very similar, Abby, to say the NFL or the NBA. You know, guys that played, you know, like Bob Cousy uh, in the in the NBA or um, Bill, Bill Walton before before the merger. Yeah, those, those guys those guys were great stars, but they they they, they didn't make the money that the guys made. At, let's say Michael Jordan came along, or right. Tom Brady came along. You know, it's just. It's just a weird time thing that you got these massive stars that the the money came a few decades later, right? But the main part about it is this: how many times when you went on TV that you got fifteen dollars? Hmm. Oh, a bunch of time. I remember you know the, the 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 deal down there in Florida, Abby. If if you recall, if you went over. You did get paid for TV. <laughs> if you did yeah. a job, you if you did a job, you got fifteen or twenty-five dollars, depending on what Eddie wanted to pay you. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but but the main part about it, um, when I was in uh, in, uh, in in Detroit, um, I asked Gino. I said, Gino, I says, what do you get paid for uh, for TV? Gino says, well, sometimes fifteen, and sometimes you know. I said, holy shit, 1,500? I said, damn. <laughs> so I was on TV five times, five times. And I said, Gino, 
when do they pay me my, like, like my TV money? So Gino says, well, you probably get it today. Bert Ruby came to me, Keto, come here, Keto, Keto. Keto. I said, he said, don't tell nobody, but I'm giving you extra, right? Wow. And he had me, he had me like an envelope, and um, I went into the bathroom, right? No, he called me in the bathroom, he gave me the envelope, and I took five cents and I, and, and I put it in, you know, to go to the toilet, and I was flushing the toilet. At the same time, I was tearing the paper open, you know, I'm in the envelope, so he wouldn't hear me open up the envelope. So I got up there, I pulled out one check, and it had 50. I said, oh, 50, 50, $15? I, I looked at the other one, 50, five checks, five TVs, $15 each at $75. And I said, I said Gino, I says, they get, he says, well, if you go over, they give you $10. If you go up, they give you $15. I said, holy shit, I can't make it. <laughs> Gino reached in his pocket, and never forget this, that's why I respect Gino Brito. Gino reached in his pocket and gave me $250. He said, here, I'm gonna take this. And I took it. I said, I, I don't know. He said, don't worry about it. And he used to flip me money to the side all the time like that, and that was it. Yep. But all the other promoters, you didn't make no damn money on TV. No. And all the wrestlers who are good wrestlers who could beat the average star out there today is a job man. They could beat you. If you came to push the show. Yep. So... What did you think when uh, when you came out? You, you were so different from everybody else. And then you had the hardcore wave kind of came after you, maybe because of you. And then but you had entire federations that were hardcore or, you know, quote, hardcore. What did you think about that trend when you had stuff like in Japan and, and in America where all of a sudden now the whole show becomes almost a hardcore top show? Because they knew where the money was at. They said, all this here stuff, wrestling and all this here stuff, is not hitting it. And right now, push and shove. I've always told the promoters, this is a circus. You need what? You need guys like Calhoun. Remember Calhoun? Right, Jack Calhoun, for sure. Tex, Tex McKenzie, who was skinny. Guys like small guys like Russell number two, all these guys, it was a circus. We were like at the little butcher. You understand? The people wanted to see certain things, and I was different. Calhoun was different. You know, and that was it. Did you take a certain amount of pride when you saw shows like ECW and say, hey man, that entire show is, is centered around what my career was built off of? I didn't follow that. Did you take a certain amount of pride when you saw that, or was you kind of, hey, man, they're ripping my style off here? What, what, what was your thoughts about ECW coming on, or the hardcore there? They could do hardcore, but I could do it better. <laughs> there you go. About, there you go. <laughs> I wasn't worried about them. I knew whatever they'd done, I'd done something different. Yeah, and did it better. <laughs> That's it. 
So I mean, what what are what are you up to now, uh, Abby? Are you you you, you I, I know you. I saw a, a video last week on on uh, YouTube that you had an autograph session. And man, congratulations! That line was like the old days. It was wrapped around the building like a dozen, that's it, that's it, like that's a merry-go-round. Man, they just that's kept it. on coming. <laughs> the people, listen to me, please. The people still want to see me, right? The only thing I need is my hip replacement, and my, I got my legs. If you want me to kick my legs out, you want to see them, I'll let you see them, me kicking them. But, but the main part about it is this. My body is in tip-top shape, you understand? So the only thing what I can do is autograph sessions. That's all I can do. Yeah. But when I go have my operation, maybe at... 93, I might step in the ring at 94. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean 84, right? Yeah. So, do you, do you have a GoFundMe page that the fans here that can, uh, can contribute to it for your hip replacement or how are you handling that? I'm, I'm having it for my, uh, 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 uh for my, um, for my legal battle. Okay. That's what I'm having it for. But the main part about it is this. The people have helped helped me and uh, what's his name, Jarrett. Oh, Chris Jericho. Chris, Chris Jericho. Jericho. Jericho, in my opinion, is a, a hell of a man. A hell of a man. I appreciate him a hundred percent. He's That's he's it. a great guy. He he's a yes. great human being. I've known Chris yes. for a long time. Yes. He's a good guy. So, do you, do you have do you ever met Chris in person? I didn't. Do you know Chris Jericho in person? No, I don't think so. Oh, that just shows you right there what, what a good man he is. I mean, you guys have never met, but he respects you from the what you've built in this business there. And and he he he's very generous in his and yes. his and his ways of life. So. I appreciate that. So how how can the folks get a hold of you, Abby, to to kind of help you out to help book you on, on some things? Uh, John and I'll be glad to put put a a, a tag up here to on how to how to book Abby. Okay, do me a favor. To get a hold of me and uh, to make arrangements is Mrs. Malika. Yes, you can reach me at 770-896-6377. 770-896-6377 for bookings. And you're 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 taking you're taking bookings. You you're not getting in the ring, right? Right, Larry. You can't get right, in the ring. Right, no, right. just autograph sessions, meet and greets, and autograph sessions. Okay. Great. Yes. We'll be glad to put that out there for you, and and, and hopefully uh, uh, you'll you'll get some results from it. I appreciate well, it. Abby, do you at least bring your fork with you, just in case? Pardon? Do you at least bring your fork with you, just in case? <laughs> oh yeah, I always bring my pork. I remember, I, I remember in, in, in Philadelphia, you were sitting there, and I actually snuck up behind him, John, and grabbed one of his forks and started jabbing him. And he, you know what? He didn't sell me worth a damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I show you one more picture? Oh, please, please Absolutely. show us all the pictures you want, man. This is my favorite. I give this man the respect. I'll never forget him. 
Never. Tell them who it is. You want to see the picture? It's glaring there. I can't see who it is there. Back it up. How's that? That's okay, T. That's Stu Hart. Stu Hart. Stu Hart. All right. Awesome. With that dude of the butcher. And that, that's you? That's a young uh, Abdul the Butcher there? Yes. Wow. Yep. Wow. Great. About, uh, about what year was that, uh, Abby? Pardon? Do you remember what year that was? Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> yeah, been, uh, I don't know what you mean. I couldn't tell you. And uh, the family, Mrs. Hart, used to make me, uh, on my birthday, she always made me uh, a birthday cake, right? And uh, I told Stu one time, I said, Stu, why does your wife always bring me a chocolate cake with chocolate candles? He said, well, take a look at yourself. I said, <laughs> right? I said, but do me a favor, tell her next time to make me a white cake. <laughs> <laughs> But we were real close. Even from this day, even with the with the the, the Fung brothers, I, I respect them and I like them, and and I always did like them. Too hard, in my opinion, he'll never die. Never. He was a great he was a great promoter, a great promoter. Yeah, you, you think of what he did with what he had. I mean, it, it's, a, it's an iconic territory. Everybody in the world remembers Calgary. And that was not a, a you know, a, a place where a lot of guys wanted to go because of the weather elements up there. But but everybody that ever worked up there has nothing but praise for the territory and nothing right. but praise for the for the entire Hart family. I right. know I, I, met, I met Stu personally and what a great guy he was and, and what an interesting guy he was. Always entertaining and always always out for the, to take care of the wrestler. That's right. And he and he used to get his kick when he used to stretch Archie Goldie. He said, Ab, he says, I had Archie Goldie in here and I was stretching him and he was screaming. And when I let him go, he ran out the door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was I it. would too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Abby, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a tremendous honor to meet, finally meet you and get to talk to you and hear your stories. All and, right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm in, I'm in good shape. Uh, yeah. I need somebody. I need somebody's head. Like the there you go, right there. there it is, right there. Yeah. <laughs> not as much, not as much hair as I used to have, but it's there. <laughs> Larry, thanks so much, Abby. We appreciate it. I mean, when I talk to you, you know, I, I, I just, I met. I, I, I was actually intimidated to ask you to come on our podcast, but sir, I, sir, what did I tell you? I'm only doing it. For your brother, because he was a good man to me. Thank you. Your brother. That's why I came on. If you were not a Briscoe, I wouldn't be on his show. Right? <laughs> I done it for your brother. And I told you that, didn't I? You told me that. Yeah, you said that. And I respected him. And that was what? it. 
you know the respect that uh, that our family has towards you and always has been, man. And we, we're just honored to have you on it. Abby, if anything we can do to, to help you, you want to promote anything, just send me a text. I'm Monique. Send me a, a message up. We'll be glad to have a message on here for you. So uh, we appreciate your time and, and, and everything and sharing your stories. Man, what a what a great career. I'm one of the most interesting guys ever to walk into this business, man. Thank you so much. I want to say one other thing. And Mel goes in and now. The fans made Abdullah the Butcher. They're the ones who make the wrestlers. If it wasn't for them, we'd be nothing. Thank you very much. And make sure you take care of your mother and your father. There you go. Okay. Thank you, Abby. All right. Thank you.